In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash Lester and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Lester. Thanks for your help. Tonight, the fallout from the high-stakes showdown in Pennsylvania with control of Congress hanging in the balance. Democrat John Fetterman and Republican Dr. Mehmet Oz facing off in their first and only debate. Fetterman's health struggles in the spotlight months after he suffered a stroke. Oz under scrutiny for an answer he gave on abortion. The reaction from voters just 13 days before the midterms. Also tonight, Herschel Walker facing a new allegation of paying for an abortion of the GOP. GOP Senate candidate is responding tonight. The verdict in the trial of a Wisconsin man who killed six people when he plowed his SUV into a Christmas parade. The deadly school shooting in St. Louis, the warning the shooter's family gave to police and their pleas to take a gun away from him months before the rampage. Vladimir Putin overseeing nuclear drills as Russia pushes unproven dirty bomb allegations against Ukraine. And the American fighter killed in Ukraine two months ago, finally on his way back home. Hospitals filling up with children infected with RSV, what parents need to know. The critical shortage in a medication millions use to treat ADHD. And he went from homeless to shooting college hoops, the basketball star inspiring America. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Good evening. Just 13 days before the midterm elections and a flood of political ads are saturating the airwaves on the heels of another marquee debate, reminding just what is at stake in hard-fought congressional races, power and control of Congress. In the House, Democrats trying to defend their majority with all 435 seats of the body up for election. Dems facing the same challenge in the U.S. Senate, where 35 seats are up for election. The balance of power in the Senate could be determined by a handful of tight races, including Pennsylvania, where last night's debate pitted Republican Mehmet Oz against Democrat John Fetterman, sparring over abortion, fracking and immigration. But not before Fetterman called out what he described as the elephant in the room, his health. Dasha Burns starts us off tonight with the latest. Tonight, Pennsylvania Republican Dr. Mehmet Oz back on the campaign trail following last night's critical one and only face-off. Pennsylvania deserves better than Fetterman. His opponent, Democrat John Fetterman, not yet making any public appearances after the fierce clash. Something called the Oz rule, that if he's on TV, he's lying. And this is the only debate I could get you to come to talk to me on, and I had to beg. A debate that put Fetterman's health front and center. Fetterman, whose campaign says suffers from auditory processing challenges after a stroke six months ago, requesting these closed captioning monitors in the studio. I had a stroke. He's never let me forget that. And I might miss some words during this debate, mush two words together, but it knocked me down, but I'm going to keep coming back up. 
Fetterman did miss some words during the hour-long showdown, at times struggling to answer questions, including this moment. Fetterman was asked about his changing position on fracking, which he now says he supports. There is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Uh, I, I, I do support fracking, and I don't, I don't, I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking. Fetterman would not commit to releasing his full medical records. My Dr. L believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing. And in one of the biggest clashes of the night, going after Dr. Oz on abortion rights. He celebrated when Roe v. Wade went down, and my campaign would fight for Roe v. Wade, and if given the opportunity to codify it into law. And tonight, the Fetterman campaign zeroing in on this response from Oz. I want women, doctors, local uh, political leaders, letting the democracy that's always allowed our nation to thrive to put the best ideas forward so states can decide for themselves. Local uh, political leaders, <laughs> local uh, political leaders. Turning it into a campaign ad against his opponent. Oz is too extreme for Pennsylvania. But Oz calling Fetterman the extreme candidate throughout the night, especially on the issue of crime. We have taken away the ability of police to do their job, and that's on John Fetterman. The momentous matchup coming just two weeks before Election Day. Voters with strong reactions about Dr. Oz. His comment about political leaders, you know, determining what a woman, a woman can and cannot do with her body is, was very telling. And Fetterman. I just don't think he's capable at this time to be in that position. I mean, if you have somebody that can't even handle a debate that has to, you know, read from those prompters. And Dasha, some big names could soon be campaigning there on both sides. Yeah, Lester, plans are coming together for both President Biden and former President Obama to campaign with Fetterman and the Democratic candidate for governor and former President Trump will campaign with Dr. Oz and the Republican gubernatorial candidate. Lester. Dasha Burns, thank you. Let's bring in Andrea Mitchell and Kristen Welker. Andrea, first to you, what are you hearing there in Pennsylvania about the impact of that debate? Lester, Democrats here are telling me that they think Fetterman will be okay, given his labor support and Oz's missteps on abortion and the minimum wage. But they acknowledge that this format did not work for Fetterman. Republicans say they're pleased with how it went. The fact that this race is even close, though, tells you Republicans have momentum right now, and it's happening nationwide. In the Senate, enough incumbent Democrats could lose, giving Republicans several chances to take control. And in the House, Democrats are in trouble in states like Oregon and New York, which are normally safe. Last night, there was a debate for New York governor where Republican Trump ally Congressman Lee Zeldin is within striking distance of Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul, which is remarkable in a solid blue state. Lester. Andrea, thanks. Let me turn now to Chris. And Kristen, there's a new headline in that tight Georgia Senate race, an anonymous allegation against Herschel Walker. What do we know? Lester, that's right. This latest allegation comes from an anonymous woman who spoke on Zoom without showing her face in a press conference arranged by attorney Gloria Allred. An allegation Herschel Walker is strongly denying tonight. Now, the woman claims she had an affair with Walker, the football star turned Republican Senate candidate and got pregnant nearly 30 years ago. She says Walker pressured and paid for her to have an abortion, but she did not provide any evidence to support those claims. Now, Walker fired back today, calling the claims foolish and a lie, saying his Democratic opponent, Senator Raphael Warnock, quote, lost the debate and Democrats will now say anything to win. 
The woman's claim comes after another woman accused Walker of paying for her abortion, which Walker also strongly denied. The Georgia race is a toss up that could determine Senate control. Lester. Kristen Welker, thank you. In Wisconsin this evening, the man who plowed his car through a Christmas parade, guilty on all counts, bringing his chaotic trial to an end. The charges included multiple counts of intentional homicide after he killed six people. Miguel Almaguer has more. We, the jury, find the defendant, Daryl E. Brooks, guilty of first-degree intentional homicide. The verdict was a clean sweep for prosecutors. Daryl Brooks, guilty of all 76 criminal charges, including intentional homicide, reckless endangering safety, and hit and run causing death. Are those your true verdicts? Yes. After just three hours of deliberation, the chaotic three-week trial came to an end as Brooks sat slumped over. We are satisfied that this defendant has been held accountable for his actions. It was last year at this Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, when Brooks plowed his car through the crowd, killing six and injuring dozens, among the victims, the elderly and children. We're stronger than him, and it's been proven today. Um, Just another step forward in the process. Maintaining his innocence. I am a lot of things. A murderer is not one of them. Brooks, who represented himself, showed a range of emotions in what became a circus-like trial, deciding to plead not guilty by reason of mental defect. Mr. Brooks, you're interrupting me no, yet again. You just weren't speaking, All right, so I, I Mr. Brooks, you are now going to be removed to the other courtroom. Brooks repeatedly interrupted the trial, at one point removing his shirt and staring down the judge, who removed him from court. I need to take a break. This man right now is having a stare down with me. Frankly, it makes me scared. In Wisconsin, conviction of first-degree intentional homicide carries a mandatory life sentence. Daryl Brooks will be formally sentenced in the coming weeks. Lester. All right, Miguel Almaguer, thank you. Tonight, new details emerging about the 19-year-old gunman who killed two people and injured seven others at a St. Louis high school on Monday. Emily Iketa has the latest. Months before storming a St. Louis high school with a long gun and 600 rounds of ammunition, police say the accused killer's family worked with law enforcement to have his gun removed from their home. It's and it's hard to, to tell when somebody is going to be violent or act out or if they're just struggling. His family played an active role in getting him medical help involving therapy, medication and committing him on several occasions, according to police. Was the family aware of the arsenal of ammunition he had? Uh, They were aware that he had had acquired a firearm. The ATF is still tracing where he originally bought the gun and how it landed back in his possession after law enforcement had transferred it to another adult. Uh, How he acquired it after that, you know, we don't know. It's believed to be the same AR-15 style weapon used to gun down sophomore Alexandria Bell and teacher Jean Kuska, both of whom Ashley Wrench knew well. And you can hear just pop, 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 pop. The longtime math teacher walking by her classroom for the first time since the shooting spree. What do you remember from Monday? Everything. The terror, the intruder trying to get in my room two, three, four times. That day, the school doors were locked and seven unarmed security guards were on site. But authorities say the gunman managed to avoid the school's checkpoints. Can you tell us if he had to break glass to get into the building, though? He did have to force entry. And that's good for us because that buys us time. 
And Lester, we're learning tonight, authorities believe the gunman was targeting the school and certain individuals. But the rapid police response and a potentially malfunctioning gun helped prevent even more bloodshed. Lester? Yeah, the details that keep coming out are stunning. Thank you. A show of force in Russia. President Vladimir Putin observing annual drills led by Russia's strategic nuclear forces as Russia continues with unfounded claims that Ukraine intends to use a dirty bomb in the war there. Also today, Russian authorities return the body of an American man killed in August while fighting for Ukraine. The remains of 24-year-old Joshua Jones were handed over to Ukrainian officials in a Russian-controlled part of Ukraine. Let's turn to that big increase now in cases of RSV infections in children, with many hospitals saying they're in crisis mode now. Tom Costello has the warning signs for parents. Three-year-old Izzy Banky is today almost back to her old self, but she's been through a rough few weeks. Homesick, a two-hour wait in an urgent care clinic, a second urgent care visit, an ambulance ride to Children's National Med Center as she struggled to breathe, then admitted with RSV-caused pneumonia. Nobody wants to, like, hold their kid down and hold a mask on their face. Um, and so she's screaming and trying and trying to rip the breathing tubes out. Um, and that breaks your heart as a parent. RSV is an ever-present respiratory virus, but especially serious in kids with low immunity after isolating during the pandemic. Now, hospitals nationwide say they're overwhelmed with sick kids. 74% of pediatric hospital beds nationwide are occupied. 89% in Missouri, 91% in Texas, 99% in Rhode Island. Seattle Children's tells NBC News it's at 200% capacity in the ER. At UW Health Kids in Madison, Wisconsin, the chief medical officer is urging parents to stay on top of the symptoms before kids have to go to the ER. Suctioning, uh, nose, nasal passages, staying well hydrated, uh, using anti-fever medications um, usually do the trick. Uh, we really want to pay attention to as kids under about 18 months of age that can develop more significant respiratory symptoms. Seek immediate help if a child is in respiratory distress, breathing fast, nose flaring, using their shoulders or pulling under their ribs to breathe and turning blue. If you think your child's in danger, you need to go to the ER. I mean, that's a flat out message. Trust your gut, say doctors. Tom Costello, NBC News, Washington. In 60 seconds, the nationwide shortage of Adderall, a key medicine that helps kids and adults with ADHD. What's behind it and what families are doing to bridge the gap. The UN Refugee Agency, or UNHCR, responds to emergencies and provides long-term solutions for refugees. They provide aid in over 130 countries, including Ukraine, Syria, Afghanistan, and Sudan, where people are forced to flee from war and persecution at their greatest moment of need. UNHCR helps and protects refugees by providing food, shelter, medical care, and other life-saving essentials. The agency jumpstarts relief in three key ways. They transport core relief items stored in even the most remote areas of the world. They deploy expert emergency staff trained to help in crisis situations. And they transfer funds directly to support the emergency. Because of generous supporters and donors, UNHCR can scale up its response within 72 hours of a large-scale emergency. Your support helps provide life-saving aid for refugees whenever and wherever emergencies occur. Donate to USA for UNHCR by visiting unrefugees.org slash donation.
Back now with the disorder that impacts so many Americans, including more than 6 million children, ADHD. For those who treat it with Adderall, a nationwide shortage has them scrambling to fill prescriptions. Ann Thompson explains. Giovanni is the center of Lion and Candy Flood's world. Oh, nice. Turned upside down by the Adderall shortage. When they told you the prescription wasn't available, I mean, did your heart sink? Absolutely. My anxiety went up and my heart sank and I was at a loss. Get it. Oh, that was a for a week. The third grader had no Adderall to manage his ADHD. Giovanni, what was it like for you to go without your medicine? Uncomfortable. His teacher came to us, threw her hands up and said, can y'all do something? Because he was way out of control, doing cartwheels in the class and rolling, rolling in the, the floor. Yeah. We're fielding several phone calls a day. Dr. Leonard Adler leads the adult ADHD program at NYU Langone Health. I've had a patient having to call about 15 pharmacies before they finally got the 15? 15 pharmacies before they got their uh, prescription uh, filled. This month, the FDA revealed the shortage, blaming increased demand for the control substance and manufacturing issues at Teva the largest drug maker. In a statement, Teva says the shortages are temporary and it expects inventory recovery in the coming months. If you're at the end of your prescription, I wouldn't suggest doing anything on your own. I would have a discussion with your physician. Sometimes that means trying a new pharmacy. It can be, if necessary, trying a new medication. Candy's daily phone calls to her pharmacy paid off. They got a month's refill, but there's no guarantee they won't face this again and soon. Ann Thompson, NBC News. And up next, the verdict in the case against three men accused of supporting the plot to kidnap Michigan's governor, plus voter intimidation and efforts to combat it in our series, Power of the Vote. In Michigan today, three men were found guilty in state court for supporting a plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer out of anger over her COVID restrictions. Two other men were convicted on federal conspiracy charges in August. Whitmer said today's verdicts are, quote, further proof that violence and threats have no place in our politics. Also tonight, less than two weeks to the midterms, Arizona election officials are stepping up security after what they call vigilantes were spotted near ballot drop boxes. Gabe Gutierrez is there. Amid complaints of armed mass groups wearing tactical gear and recording voters, the sheriff in Maricopa County, Arizona, has now stepped up security near ballot drop boxes. It troubles me that suddenly others feel compelled to act out in a way that is uh, potentially criminal intimidation or uh, criminal threats, trying to undermine democracy under this this cloak of patriotism. And, and in doing so, what they're doing is they're destroying the most important institution in our nation, you know, the freedom and the right to vote. He also says his office is investigating this incident captured on cell phone video where a woman tried to take a picture of one of their license plates and was pushed. We spoke to the woman. She asked us not to use her name or show her face for fear of backlash. A lot of people are intimidated. And when people are standing around, you know, with handguns on them and sometimes tactical gear, you know, it really does scare the average person. At least six complaints of alleged voter intimidation here have now been referred to the state attorney general's office and the Department of Justice. 
Across the country, election threats are ramping up ahead of the midterms. A lot of these threats are fueled by mis- and disinformation. Law enforcement nationwide is on alert. Justice Department has an obligation to prevent, uh, to guarantee a free uh, and fair uh, vote. Back in Arizona, where early votes are already being counted, Republican election officials have called these armed Dropbox watchers uninformed vigilantes. As a Republican, how frustrating is it to you that some of these groups have latched onto conspiracy theories? Well, it's been an interesting last two years. And, you know, for the party of facts and logic, at times we have fallen short from, in my estimation, on facts and logic. Voter rights organizations have now sued to temporarily block at least some of these groups from monitoring these ballot drop-off boxes. Lester? All right, Gabe, thank you. Coming up, at 700 million, it's one of the biggest Powerball jackpots in history. Could there be a winner tonight? Plus, he was homeless before he found his place on the court. Inspiring America is next. Tonight's Powerball jackpot has grown to a massive $700 million, the fifth largest in the game's history. No one has won since August. The odds are one in 293 million. If you've bought your tickets, good luck to you. And finally, the student-athlete beating formidable odds with a former NBA point guard coaching him on. Kathy Park with tonight's Inspiring America. Jeremiah Armstead picked up a basketball at 14. The same age he realized life wasn't a game. I feel like I was a man 14. That's what I feel like. Because that's when like they really picked up homelessness and stuff like that. For years, Jeremiah says he moved from shelter to shelter with his mom and two siblings. He was living off food stamps. What would you say were some of the the darkest times in your life? Sleeping at beaches, people walking by, looking in the car. But stuff like that builds character. So I can't be mad at stuff like that. Homelessness pushed Jeremiah to fight harder for his goals. Can't is not in my vocabulary. He excelled as a student in California and as an athlete, a winning combination that got him into Fisk University in Nashville and a spot on the basketball team. Nice. The grit definitely sets him apart. Former NBA point guard Kenny Anderson now coaches a rising star and sees a lot of himself in Jeremiah. My best year of my high school career, I, was, I didn't have nowhere to live. We got evicted. The NBA legend beat the odds and believes Jeremiah can too. Meanwhile, his cheering squad couldn't be prouder. This is a child who deserves to just show what he can do. What's the end game for you? My first goal, which is get my mom, brother, and sister out the shelter that they in. Family first, while making moves on and off the court. Kathy Park, NBC News, Nashville. Good for him. That's nightly news for this Wednesday. Thank you for watching. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Good night, everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna Book Club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts.